Hello and welcome to Football Unfocused after a, yeah, a little summer break. And in, da- in fact, probably in the middle of a summer break, but we just thought we'd knock out an episode. And we're doing it this week uh, with some severe technical challenges. Um, my uh, ability to um, kind of find a solution in a digital world is being pushed <laughs> to the absolute limit. Matthew, everything's all right at your end, isn't it? Well, yeah, but maybe we shouldn't do too much interacting, <laughs> just, no, in, just no. in case. We're pushing our luck. Yeah, so <laughs> in the interest of transparency, my uh, my Mac is in for repair, an, an annoyingly serious repair because it completely lost all power. Uh, so that, that's that's about 500 quid down the drain uh, just to re- retain something. It's like paying for a boiler, isn't it? You're paying for the, the resumption of a utility that you've never really had to pay that amount for before. <laughs> and considering that my Mac is uh, one that I didn't have to pay for in the first place, it's annoying to then have to fork out <laughs> the 500 quid to have it repaired. And then I've, my backup is my Sony Vow. I think it's like a 2011 Vi- I model. I think they're called Vios. Vio, whatever. I never knew how to <laughs> fucking pronounce that. And they don't even make them anymore. But uh, that is has proved to be completely incapable of dealing with both speaking and uh, a camera at the same time, or certainly can't deal with Matthew speaking and then me speaking. <laughs> so we are now plugged into uh, our phones. Or Matt, well, Matt isn't, but I, I am. So this might work, <laughs> it might not. Um, uh, there we go. But welcome to Football and Focus. If it's the first time you've ever heard this, then bloody hell God help you. Go and listen to another <laughs> yeah. episode. Uh, it might be a little bit better than this, we'll, but we'll this... tell you. We'll tell you the uh, the title of the epi- uh, the the podcast within you know two minutes. What do you mean? Do not listen. <laughs> That's what we should call this one. Do not. No, listen. no. It took two minutes to just say what the title <laughs> of the podcast was, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I think straight away I said... Oh, did you? Focused. Sorry. Yeah, it shows Sorry, how much... You, you know, I'm dealing with all these technical challenges. You have one role, which is to fucking listen and pay attention and be on top of things. Yeah, and you still can't even do that as you sit there in your vest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at it. My low-cut vest. Right, uh, yes, it's very low. It's very distracting. Sorry, uh, sorry. For the purposes of the, uh, of the take, Matthew is, has attempted to put me off my stride this week by very, wearing very alluring summer clothing. <laughs> Uh, very alluring. He looks like a sort of a cross between a, a weightlifter and a cage dancer. Um, <laughs> the worst both of both the, worlds. Both of yeah, the the worth of most worlds. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a Partridge reference for uh, everyone out there who who may or may not know about Adam Partridge. Um, as regular listeners will know, um, the structure of this podcast is that we try and talk about football. Uh, I tend to be a little bit better versed on it just through by virtue of being interested. Matthew generally isn't <laughs> particularly interested. So in order to get to the crux of Matthew's personality, I ask him some leading questions about his life as an insight into him as, a, as this mysterious character. Uh, Matthew, question oh. one for this week. What is your favourite? And uh, considering this is now the height of summer, and we are uh, on day one of what appears to be some sort of heat wave, yeah. uh, Matthew, what is your favourite barbecued item? Uh, it used to be um, before I went vegan, um, like minted lamb. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite a. I don't know. It's quite a traditional. Very specific. Yeah, but it's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but maybe. Now, minted, minted on the barbecue. You love a bit, yeah. Did you put the when, at what stage yeah. of the cooking process did you put the uh, the mint marinade on? Um, I were you think, brushing it with it? Yeah, I think it was at the point that somebody brought it round. Um, that's when it 
the, the minted, <laughs> the minted right, lamb. So, so your answer to the question of at what point in the cooking process <laughs> did you put the, the mint marinade on the lamb was whenever somebody turned up with a <laughs> with jar it. of it. <laughs> with, yeah, it. with it. Pre, <laughs> pre-minted. Yeah, so there was never any planning to your minting, and the only reason you found out you liked it was because <laughs> someone else turned up with it. That's the answer. Well, this isn't it? is all right. This, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this yeah, all right. I'll, I'll do that again. And so, you, did you have that more than once? Mm, I think maybe a couple of times. Maybe once when yeah, when that okay, person was invited. Excellent. So, as a result, that is your favourite barbecue <laughs> item. What is your favourite favorite barbecue item now that you're a vegan slash vegetarian? Oh, yeah, that's tricky. Because um, you are at the moment. Am I? Are you still dabbling back in yeah, vegetarianism just, as opposed to veganism? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dabbling in it. What are you yeah. doing? You cooking? Sorry, I knocked a pen against a fruit bowl there. It sounded like some sort of chime, like I'm living in a in a, a historical building, but yeah, uh, the no chime. such. Uh, yeah, but it's, it really isn't like that in uh, in East London. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah. Matthew, sorry, sorry to push you on this. But no, what is no, that's all right. Yes, yeah, item as as per your your current dietary uh, requirements. Yeah, what was it? what? What did you just say? Sorry. What's your favourite barbecue item now? Oh, sorry, Bloody yeah. Hell. Uh, <laughs> Um, oh no! I'm gonna. Um, oh, probably, probably. I mean, there must be something. How, what do you What do you like I mean, on a barbecue? I don't like kebabs. I really don't like uh, like skewers. I don't like skewers. Well, it, what, what don't you like about it? You don't like the process of eating the, off a skewer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can just remove them with your hands or with a fork, and then just eat it off a plate. Yeah. But then, You're not beholden uh, to the skewer. I know. I guess I'm always fearful that I'm going to stab the back of my throat. So that's why I really don't yeah. like it. Remove. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have to be some pretty tough overcooked meat or what, or any item, halloumi, whatever, for, to be so for, yeah. so attached to the skewer that you can't remove it. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I cook things, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Uh, We're going down a blind alley here. Ve- but veggie burgers. <laughs> <laughs> right, how imaginative. Yeah, so veggie burgers, not skewered veggie burgers. Just for, no, just for God, God, no. Excellent. Matthew, question two at this time of year. By the way, is it actually hot in uh, in Glossop? Uh, it's it's warming up. I bought, I went yeah. to the, um, I went to Tesco yesterday, last night, and, and um, stocked up on lollies. Um, Excellent. Because I'm always fearful that when I need one, uh, they would have sold out. Yeah, yeah. And do you uh, do you often find the need to suck on an emergency lolly? Uh, well, we are when it starts really warming up and the and the and the vests aren't cutting it. The low cut vests aren't. Only a lolly, <laughs> only a lolly will do. Do you really yeah. need that lolly to cool you down? Then? <laughs> to just yeah, you know, <laughs> just to get through those long long sweltering afternoons. But yeah, it's well, um, well that that's an, a very uh, uh, apt. Um, point you've made there Matthew because it leads to my second question <laughs> right. in this in this in this summer weather do you uh, own and or use a fan yeah yeah we do we um we uh we bought this fan we were we were yeah fans are I was really getting a bit obsessed with the Dyson fan the idea of buying one <laughs> the airblade yeah. yeah, and then and it cuts air in half, doesn't it, Matthew? That's the, <laughs> that's, that's the marketing conceit, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's the only way I like my air is when it's cut in half. Yeah, I like my air halved. <laughs> yeah, I hate whole air. Yeah, but I didn't yeah. hear many good reviews. 
reports about it. They were just, I remember speaking to one guy, they were like, it's useless. Well, it's not useless, but it's, it's like, it's just a fan. Like, just like any thing, old it? fan. It's not. How good would it have to be to justify the extortionate cost of it? No. It's like their, their hairdryer. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. My missus has got one. Oh yeah, I, what does she think like, of it? Well, it's, I mean, she absolutely loves it, but it, it's, it's oh. still you end up with dry air, just like you would <laughs> with any hairdryer. So, I mean, Christ. Yeah, it's. You know, you, have you tried you know, the the her hairdryer? No, I haven't, Matthew. I don't feel that my long, luscious locks justify a uh, sustained spell under manufactured heat. (laughs) Yeah. I just just wouldn't feel I'd be doing it justice. You have to give the, you know, uh, a a piece of machinery with that level of sophistication, you have to give it a challenge, don't you? I just don't feel I'd I'd offer it (laughs) enough of a challenge. You could have... (laughs) It would get oh, lazy. Mate, don't cut yourself short. I'm sure you. Well, I'm not. I mean, I, I'm actually. It's one of the few things I've got going for me at my increasing uh, <laughs> age. I do have a luscious head of hair, but uh, oh, uh, right. so I'm not going to knock it. I'm not going to knock it. But uh, still, yeah. it's not at the uh, length uh, that the, the the machine of that quality would be used to dealing with. So I don't want to disrespect it because you know it is watching me, um, as all <laughs> Dyson products, no doubt, are. Okay, good. Because I mean, because of course, James Dyson is a. Um, Brexiteer. Uh, an, an evil Brexiteer, isn't he? <laughs> pushed, pushed our our country into making into implementing sanctions on itself, and then took the uh, work, workforce to Singapore. But uh, I think like a bit of patriotism is there. Excellent. Brexit means Brexit. Uh, Matthew, final question. Yeah. Uh, again, summer related. You see, there's a theme here. Matthew, what's your favourite of all the summer sports? Uh, cycling. I'm watching quite. It, the, the problem with cycling is it it takes so long to get through. I mean, it's. I mean, admittedly, it's not as bad as cricket, which oh, that takes not, literally not days. Although actually, no. the Tour de France. Hold is on, three the Tour de France is three weeks. Yeah, I know, I know, but at least it doesn't go on the whole day. I do. Yeah, I know. Sorry, but it actually, goes no. on what about yeah, four or five no, hours right. a pop? Yeah, four or five hours a pop for three weeks. Uh, accounting for what two or three rest days yeah where... no you're so, right come on i'm not having that no no you're right you're right I d- I d- yeah so that's i know it's it's a terrible thing i, I do worry that instead of getting outdoors and enjoying the sun i'm i'll be indoors watching tv i absolutely love the tour de france i like i mean i watch any most of the big road races but particularly the tour de france yeah, become yeah. mildly obsessed with it every year for three weeks <laughs> and yeah. what i love about it is these names that I, I then don't think about much for the rest of the year other than like i say if i dabble in like the giro or, or the world tour or something but but like suddenly I'll be thinking about uh, like Roman Bardet or something. <laughs> like, and that's a name that literally outside of the month of July hasn't crossed my mind for, for 12 months. And then, you know, Matthew so Van can... Der Poel is all of a sudden like, oh, <laughs> so no, he had think a, about. Yeah, I saw him. He was struggling the other day. He had all sorts of bad luck on the cobble stage. And I was yeah. like, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> oh, Matthew, yeah, what's really, happening? really got to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my love of uh, Van Art as well. Yeah, well, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, cycling, so you would describe cycling as a summer sport and you'd pick that above, uh, say, cricket and tennis. And, Definitely. I mean, what about rowing? You love fanning around in a boat. Yeah, I did. I did. I don't like watching it. It's, it's worse than a – it's the worst sport to watch. So one, it is a, a diabolical spectacular sport. What would you <laughs> rather watch, rowing or swimming? 
Oh fuck! Uh, probably rowing, I guess. Swimming, yeah, swimming is quite it's quite a dull spectator sport, really isn't it? Cool. But then it is still incredibly impressive to see someone do something amazing, like you know, break a record. <laughs> swim. Or like, you know, just, yeah, swim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moving in water is pretty incredible. Yeah. I was going to yeah. ask um, when when I, I, yeah listening to Top Flight Time Machine and Sam Delaney was saying how he sometimes didn't always like summer because mm-hmm. of the guilt he would often feel as to like missing out if he wasn't outdoors taking advantage yeah. of the sun um, you do feel i think because when you live in a in a climate like the uk you do kind of feel that if you don't make the abs like we're sitting yeah. here now mid midday on friday or what, what is <laughs> it, what is bound to be right up there with the hottest days of the year certainly so far i think we're over over the next five six days we're due for some like above 30 degree um stuff but yeah. um uh, and we are recording. I'm sitting in the sort of back in, end of my living room in the shade. Yeah, with Wimbledon going on down the other end of the room. Um, <laughs> yeah, because there's no cricket today. And, <laughs> and even Wimbledon, like Wimbledon semi-finals today, men's semi-finals today, and like that's a massive disappointment as well because uh, one of them isn't even bloody taking place. So that that that. Uh, uh, whatever he is from Australia, <laughs> we get to free by to the final. I mean, look, I'm not casting aspersions. I'm not saying he definitely is guilty. Of <laughs> he's guilty of lots of other bloody things in his life and career, isn't he? So, you know, I mean, I don't want to be There's one no of those guys. To say, well, exactly. Yeah. Go down that road. Yeah. The Daily Mail road of trying to get Keir Starmer. Yeah. 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 That far, you're just as bad. Oh, but you've now literally five minutes before we start recording this, he's just been cleared uh, and won't be getting a fixed penalty notice. Ah, yeah, but, you know, it still means he can't criticise uh, parties going on in Downing Street. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a tweet, I can't remember who it was from, they were like, Keir, the, the outrageous thing about Keir Starmer is that he thinks that if the police clear him, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Heaven it's forbid. like, well, yeah, shouldn't it be? Or... Yeah. Uh, well, no, 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 of course it's not. Because, you know, no, not in the Daily Mail and the Sun and the Express and all the, the Telegraph. I mean, <laughs> bloody hell, after the week we've had, and yet they still, you look at their front pages yesterday when they Thank thought their hero was going to, well, no, when they thought their hero was still going to cling on, like some, like in the, like the last days of Hitler uh, in, his, in his bunker, and they were, you know, putting these triumphant front page headlines like Boris fights on and, uh, you know, and Boris um, uh, repels the rebellion and all this sort of bollocks. I said, fuck me, bloody hell. <laughs> We're on the subjects of Wimbledon, just quickly before we do, we will move If we to talk football. about football yeah. or but, Well, you know, there's not a lot of football going on at the moment, aren't we? And uh, it's, it's just a bit wittering, really. But, um, but, uh, I went to Wimbledon last week and. Oh, yeah. Uh, Who was that? Pic- you sent a picture. And I didn't know who you were trying to refer to in that pitch you sent. That was Mary Berry. Oh, Mary Berry. Mary Berry, yeah. You saw her in the Royal Box. She she was tempting me from the Royal Box, yeah. (laughs) She was uh, even 50 metres away. My God, she's attractive, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it her son? Isn't it? Oh, no, I'll get mixed up. It's Prue Lee's son in Parliament the other day was saying that women shouldn't have full autonomy. Well, he's body. an MP, is he? Pre relief son? Uh, yeah, Kruger is that his name? The M- the Tory MP? Freddie? Oh, he's a Tory MP, pre relief son. Who would have thought? Let me oh. see. I'll, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a revelation. That is, I've never ever uh, thought that pre relief would have uh, sired a uh, uh, a um, 
a Tory MP. Yeah. Uh, what's because of course Kruger is quite a common name, I believe, in South Africa and uh, uh, Danny, the, Danny Kruger. Staffer. Yeah, Freddie, Freddie Kruger. Excellent. <laughs> so yeah, Prelee had to come out and uh, and say. Well, on, you... my, on the subject of my of my trip, what and said, and said what? She said what? Oh, that you oh, would, don't he... worry, he's a prick. <laughs> He doesn't know what he's talking about. He always says shit like that. He's a Tory MP, yeah. That's why he's a Tory MP. Yeah, sorry. So you were saying at Wimbledon, you were talking about Wimbledon. Well, I was just going to say on the subject of summer sports, because it's no secret to anyone, uh, yes, I I love uh, cycling and I do enjoy watching tennis. You're going to get a bike at some point, aren't you? But cricket... uh, Yes, I am at some point, yeah. Um, But cricket is is by far and away my favourite summer sport. In fact, it's it's close to football as being my favourite sport overall. I could spend days and days and days just watching it. Well, you have to spend days and days watching it just to get the results. Not not for the T20, you clever prick. Yeah, yeah. But but as it happens, I just just prefer the form of the game that is aimed at adults who have got concentration spans (laughs) and can – uh, watch something that lasts takes five days to f- take form and shape and and narrative. Uh, what like it is one of the most beautiful things on earth to watch. Test you know I, I'm not I'm not one of these people who needs a quick fix and uh, instant gratification like the modern digital dicks. Uh, I I uh, I love everything about Test cricket, but Wimbledon. I think the reason that I, the, the thing that would stop me uh, choosing tennis above um, other summer sports is just like much as I love watching the actual game itself, my God, the wanker ratio for the people who, who turn up and support it is oh, really? got to be above. I would say, I mean, I've never been to the Henley Regatta, but I would say <laughs> that, that, that that probably is worse. But I'm just guessing. But my God, Wimbledon! I, I saw last week some of the. I mean, I've been three or four times now, and I, I, saw, I genuinely saw some of the worst people I've ever seen in my life. Just appalling human beings who, uh, you know, literally. I'd say if if if, if Putin had dropped a uh, a targeted nuclear missile on SW19 on the day I was there, uh, there'd be a, probably there'd have probably been about 15 people worth mourning. Uh, the rest. <laughs> <laughs> the rest and I'm counting myself as one of them arrogantly yeah yeah I am yeah 14 <laughs> others because despite because the irony of course is that they base their entire life on thinking they're better than everyone but I am better than them <laughs> um, good right anyway football yeah football Matthew uh, so um, is it, wasn't Mane cheap did you not think Oh, Martin, you want to go straight there, dear man? I was going to try and not talk about uh, Liverpool. Well, can we just do one? Only keep it to just one. <laughs> just one, Mane. Okay, yeah. Just... I mean, obviously, it's absolutely. Um, it's really sad, quite devastating to see uh, Sadio Mane um, go because I told myself I don't know whether I've said this before on the podcast, but when um, Fernando Torres, when he left Liverpool to join Chelsea for fifty million quid. In January 2011, I I was absolutely like devastated, like really felt low and awful, and so kind of let down that this guy who you'd absolutely idolised and been along with Stephen Gerrard, kind of carrying us for the last sort of three and a half years, I think it was up to that point. Um, and when he left, I was absolutely awful, and it was like a black cloud for a while. It it, it was. I mean, almost immediately, um, um, I was made to feel better. 
by the fact that he made his debut against us at Stamford Bridge. And I, I was in the away end for that game. And even though in the whole scheme of things, it ended up being a relatively um, unimportant league game, we beat them 1-0. He barely got a kick. Jamie Carragher was right up his backside the old game, gave him a couple of real uh, crunches. And it coming away from that game that day, having been surrounded by people who had already been buying Torres shirts and was just like tormenting us with you know, waving banknotes at us and all this sort of stuff, like, you know, the sort of behaviour, oh, frankly, okay. respect from Chelsea fans. Um, <laughs> and uh, and seeing him decked out in blue, um, you know, after all the things he'd said about how much he loved playing for us over the years and all that, uh, I, I said to myself on that day, like after that, never again. They are These people are just passing through. You get the odd one who who is doing it for the love, but the majority of them, they're just employees of a business. And, and, mm. that, and that is genuinely how I see it now. So mm. even someone like Sadio Mane, who would definitely be in my top um, 10, maybe even five Liverpool players of my lifetime, not just in terms of how much I personally like them, but also in terms of um, their achievements um, and level of performance for the club. I mean, the guy... He's an absolute physical specimen. He's, he's rarely out of form. He's absolutely never injured. Um, and his standard of performance and, you know, backed up by the number of trophies he's won in his time is, is just spectacular. Um, and it's really, really sad to see him go. And it was actually quite unexpected, really, because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people had been, ex- uh, had been looking at Mo Salah over the last six months thinking, oh, he's making all the noise. He's like he's going to leave. And there's so, there was so much talk about it. And then up until relatively recently, Mane had, had kind of almost been a forgotten man in the, in the sort of running down the contract stakes. And then he said, not long before the Champions League final, that he had like an, a, it would all become clear after the final whistle and he had a special announcement to make. And I think not unreasonably, many, most Liverpool fans looked at that and thought, well, you're not going to phrase it like that unless you're staying. Oh, you're not going to say I'm special, yeah, I'm, I'm off. Um, but it did actually turn out to be that way. But it, then, <laughs> That's but, what he did. But, no, no, but, but even the, the way he did it was quite weird because he didn't then go on to announce it straight after the game like he said he would. It was, there was this sort of two weeks, two or three weeks of limbo and then and then he was gone. And yeah, it is really sad, but he goes, I mean, there's absolutely no kind of bitterness or hostility here and there won't be from any Liverpool fans. Firstly, he's gone abroad, so he, you know, he wants to try his hand playing in another country. You can't blame anyone for wanting to play for Bayern Munich. They're an absolutely massive club. He's given us six years of incredible performance and even though it's really really sad to see him go and I love I absolutely love him um you know I wish him nothing but the best of luck he is simply sad I mean it's a shame because we signed Darwin Nunes who's genuinely one of the brightest prospects in um, European or even world football a 22 year old you know so we've got a lad who's not even you know only only kind of approaching his prime certainly not probably nowhere near they say your prime's in your late 20s um um and you know, you thought, oh, throw that one into the mix. We've got this unstoppable attacking force. And we're still really strong. And obviously, it was a pleasant surprise that Mo Salah signed a new contract. But uh, no matter how good anyone else ends up being, you know, how, how, how good a signing Darwin Nunez is, when you um, when you lose a player, like a genuine club legend like Sadio Mane, then it's, um, it's always going to be sad. But... but wasn't he a bit... Did you not think it was on the lower end of the scale? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's really poor. When you can, well, when you look that that you know the same club that we've sold him to, Bayern Munich, have got Robert Lewandowski, who's clearly you know a, a supreme, one of the best strikers in world football of the last fifteen years, and they are even though he's thirty-two and um, 
pretty much in the same position as, as Sadio Mane, but you know, two years older. They are absolutely insistent in a you know what what they want forty or fifty million quid for him um, from from Barcelona. Um, and Mane, you know, two years is, is a long, you know, two, being two years younger is, is, makes a significant difference. And so I, I, I definitely feel that we've, uh, or Liverpool sort of have undersold him. Um, can, I don't I really understand whether, why. I wonder if some of the other summer signings, though, they all seem a little bit on the lower end of the spectrum i mean what do you mean like in terms uh, of some of the big moves at the moment yeah what's his name halland harland yeah did you not think he was a bit yeah cheaper than Uh, erling erling holland um (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no but that was more to do with the fact when he signed from um red bull salzburg to Borussia dortmund he had a release clause in his contract so that Um, dortmund had to so um, even though he has gone on over that sort of Two, I think about two and a half years he's been there. He's gone on to increase his value significantly, and he would have definitely warranted a fee of over a, probably about 150 million in in today's market. But they couldn't; they had to accept a um, a, a a fee at a set level. What was it about 60 million quid or something? Yeah. 70 million, which in, it sounds mad to say that a, a huge amount of money like that could be a bargain, but it, it probably will end up being a bargain. Um, and um, yeah, so that's that's essentially the the, the, the reason um, the reason for that. Were there any other? Uh, well, I suppose the interesting Sterling? thing about Harland, though, I'm yeah, sorry, oh, sorry. hold on. But the interesting thing about Harland, though, is that because getting the fee accepted was a foregone conclusion, it put him in a position where he could essentially speak to different clubs who were going to meet the asking price and agree a deal and a package, you know, his salary and everything and image rights and all that bollocks that they have to go through these days. Um, Kind of independently, he, he almost didn't have to involve the club because it was a you know I suppose that is the the pros and cons of these um, um, set fees that are part, you know part of a contract like a, an exit clause type thing um, is that it, it empowers the club on one hand, but on the other hand it then means if someone does hit the hit the mark, they've they've got to sell them and there's nothing they could do. That was what name that's why Neymar's fee a few years ago was about two hundred million. It's a ludicrous um, amount of money to spend, really. And that, uh, that definitely hasn't... He's, he's done all right at PSG, but it definitely hasn't. I mean, he hasn't won in the Champions League, so therefore, based on their objectives, it has failed. But the reason the fee was that high wasn't because he was that much better than anyone else in world football at the time. It was because that was his release clause by, um, uh, set by Barcelona. Um, mm. Sterling... I don't know whether this is going to kind of lead to a trend, but it, it, it's really interesting with him because he was clearly over the last season, maybe two seasons, not necessarily – he'd gone from being a kind of fundamental part of um, Pep Guardiola's Man City side to possibly in the really big games not the first choice anymore. He'd kind of be the first guy to come off the bench, but not necessarily in that kind of starting eleven. And he's won everything other than the um, – the Champions League at Man City, so he's been massively successful. But yeah, I suppose. I mean, I didn't. Can you even recall what the fee was? <laughs> I know. It's, I mean, we're not talking like you know, hundred million quid, are we? For a player who's no. you know in his in his late twenties, probably only about what twenty seven, twenty eight, um, and uh, is a you know a, a proven international top Premier League and Champions League player. But I suppose it shows the power of Man City that they can not only afford to let a player of his quality go, 
and probably not suffer at all because based on the players they've brought in and the players they already own, but also that they can be confident enough to sell him to a rival. You know, they've sold him to a direct Premier League rival. Again, that's something that wasn't really happening um, so much a few years back, but um, seems to be possibly happening a little bit more now. I mean, they sold Gabriel Jesus to Arsenal as well, which, uh, again, I mean, I personally think he's a real top-quality player. And even though he, there's no doubt that he doesn't see himself as a, as a, as a central centre-forward, which is kind of what Arsenal probably brought him for, so there, I suppose there is a risk in that respect, but there is absolutely no doubt in his quality. And, you know, having played under under the Pep Guardiola regime for about the last five years, then, you know, he'll he'll be a significantly better player. And the sort of player you'd think could go into Arsenal and kind of improve the people around him as well. They've got a lot of young players and he'll probably have a positive impact on them. So, um, so City seem... I suppose it's what you can do when you're that strong. You can just say, okay, well, look, if this is a player that we're even... 55 million. Yeah, so there you go. So that's similar to what we sold Sterling to Man City for back in about 2015 when um, uh, he was, you know, then, all right, you could argue then that he was more of a prospect, but he was still clearly a top-class player. And, um, uh, and, you know, five years younger, five, six years younger. Um, So really, yeah, so it's a snip. But City's objective wouldn't necessarily to be to get the, the you know the absolute maximum out of it. They want they want a fair price, but in order to um, comply with financial fair play rules, their their probably primary objective is get a good transfer fee and get his wages off the books because then it helps um, helps kind of balance things out because Christ knows how much Haaland is uh, is being paid. But yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, I think Tottenham have done. Um, some pretty good business so far. They've got Ease Pesuma from Brighton for about 25 million quid. And he's been kind of big clubs have been sniffing around him for a few years now. Um, so to get like a, a proven sort of, you know, athletic, um, relatively top quality Premier League midfielder for that price, I think is a really, really good bit of business. Um, so they're, 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 you know, they've, they've got the Croatian lad as well, didn't they? Perisic. And so they're, they're, they're Starting to stack up some players. Obviously, the sign with Charleston. I find it difficult to speak objectively about Richarlison because I despise him so much because he's, he's just such a loathsome individual in terms of the way he conducts himself on the pitch and, you know, the time-wasting, the histrionics, the egotistical kind of, you know, the always looking for an argument. But I suppose step that aside, he had a decent goal-scoring record at uh, Everton and he's, you know, he's getting in the Brazil squad and even side um, frequently. So he's clearly got ability. And, you know, so you look at Tottenham and say so you're building, you know, along with the fact they've got Antonio Conte as their manager, uh, you know, they're about, and I think they're signing Clement Longley, uh, centre-back from um, um, Barcelona as well. So, you know, watch out. I'd say watch out for Tottenham next season. Not as winning the title, but um, dare I say... There's a chance with you know with Conte as manager they could finally actually break their their long wait for a trophy and uh, and not not before time. So yeah, so I suppose the transfer window has been um, has been quite interesting. Yeah, it's quite active. It is mad though, isn't it? When you if you, sometimes you have to take a step back and look at the, the the some of the clubs that kind of I I think when you look at the Premier League, right, you've got two clubs who have, over the last 
you know, 10 or 15 years, not really had to play by the same rules as everyone else because of the way in which they received their money. City and Chelsea are essentially in a different way to one another, but are essentially state-run clubs with state assets. Abramovich was a bit more kind of, you know, less formal. But Man City are actually owned essentially by and funded by a nation state, as indeed now are Newcastle. Um, obviously, uh, Chelsea now are, are going to be running probably, you know, the fact that they've been taken over by the Americans, I'd imagine in a similar way to how uh, Liverpool and Arsenal are run. Um but 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 um, Man United are. I'd still put them up in that category of clubs that have been able to spend money almost with no consequence because their economic might has been so great that they've just been splurging money all over the place. And so my point is that when you consider that over the last few years they got Alexis Sanchez on a free transfer but paid him over half a million pound a week, which worked out because of his pitiful performance for them cost them £20 million per goal, per goal that he scored for £20 million mm. per goal. Bear in mind, £20 million would be most clubs' um, transfer record for a player. And they, they were paying that per goal for uh, just to get Alexis Sanchez. Paul Pogba uh, was, I believe, the world transfer record when he went back to Old Trafford in, uh, must have been about 2016. And he has just gone for a free transfer and, and, and sort of got to a stage where his performances there were so bad that there's almost like a level of disinterest that he's just sort of sloped away and gone back to um, to Juve. And then with Chelsea, with Lukaku, you know, it was only a year. A year ago, they were European champions and the kind of the um, common perception was, oh, this team are absolutely brilliant. Uh, Thomas Tuchel's done an amazing job. The one thing they lack is a centre-forward who can kind of be that figurehead because they haven't got one guy who's scoring lots of goals. Um, so they go and get the top, you know, a proven Premier League performer who had been the top scorer in uh, in Serie A, pay 100 million quid for him, and within 12 months, he's loaned back to the same club. So they're not even receiving a fee. I mean that is madness. Like that that makes uh, government Tory government spending on PPE contracts seem like efficiency. <laughs> like it's absolutely mental. Like the the sums of money and then just able to write something off because it just hasn't worked out. I mean, imagine if these football clubs were actually accountable for the the, the way in which they spend their money and the uh, the performance thereof. Um, because if they were, I mean, like that, I mean that is an outrage, a catastrophic um, waste of money. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see with like, you know, a month, I guess, to go pretty much until the season um, starts, whether there's kind of much more significant movement. Um, I mean, the interesting thing is that Eric Ten Hag has obviously gone into Old Trafford and tr- with a big rebuilding um, uh, project to, to take on. And, you know, there's been a lot of players who have kind of shipped out. As things stand, they haven't really brought an awful lot in. But I do think that what they need to do is focus on the, less on the big names and more on kind of just getting people who are going to fit a solution. Um, so if they manage to do that, then maybe uh, that could lead to kind of, you know, some some level of improvement. But the one that they really seem to want is Frankie de Jong, which they seem to be struggling to get that over the line in, in time. And, um, and I think Chelsea, are tr- uh, I've heard that Chelsea are trying to uh, get in and, and nab him from under their noses. So we'll see about that. But um Gazumpen. Gazump them. Gazump, <laughs> Gazump is the word. So, uh, 
So, yeah, we'll see. But the chances are, as with most summers, you kind of go back into the new season. You think all these people are going to make a massive difference. But then you look at the league table 12 months later and it's very, very similar to how it was the year before. Um, but there is no doubt that you can, you, if you get caught stay, you know, with your pants down a bit in the transfer window, it, it can most certainly damage you. You know, you can, if you don't, I mean, I would look at, West Ham last season and the position they were in around Christmas time, their failure to, to reinforce the squad in January definitely cost them um, a chance of sustaining a Champions League challenge and is, is the reason that they are end up in the Conference League as opposed to the Europa League because they just didn't um, they just didn't have the gas. They didn't have anyone to rotate with Antonio up front. They looked knackered. They looked out of ideas. So that is an example of a, of a club that are that have suffered significantly because of you know lack of activity in the transfer market. But what you don't get is uh, a club that signs uh, a load of players and then wins the league out of nowhere as a result of that. It just doesn't. It just doesn't happen. So, so yeah. So we'll we'll keep an eye on it, Matthew. And I will be watching the women's Euros as well. Um, yes. I've watched the first. I watched a little bit of the England game and then the Northern Ireland game last night. And I'm um you know because I'm not. It's weird. I'm not um, massively into women's football, but not because I have any issue with it. It's just because I spend so much time watching football and then all the other sports. It's just it's just literally the man hours, you know. But um, I really hope that the Euros um, are a massive success. And uh, you know, I think what's, what I really genuinely like about it is that when you watch the games and you hear the crowd, it's clear that A, there's a lot of young people in there and B, there's a lot of girls and women in there supporting the women's team and that's that's you know I, th- I just think that's really really good and you know I like the idea that a girl growing up um, in this country now can see being a professional footballer as a proper conceivable path and and able not just to see that playing on you know Premier League teams reserve pitches in front of a man and his dog but actually now playing in proper stadiums and um, you know getting you know paid properly and getting the you know the resources and the facilities and I believe the ticket sales for the um, for the Euros um, are, are pretty strong but it's quite disappointing to see Northern Ireland over on um, last night playing at Southampton against Norway got spanked 4-1 and that was say probably about third fall so I suppose that's quite disappointing considering that is you know technically one of the quote-unquote home nations but um, but there you go yeah so I'll keep an eye on that Matt and keeping on the transfer market. And other than that, just, you know, just, just watch the Tour de France. <laughs> yeah. And the and cricket. Yeah, the cricket. And uh, a bit of work in between. Yeah, and just keep, keep, wow. Well, yeah. Just keep wearing <laughs> your vest. Uh, and on that sartorial bombshell, it is time to say uh, goodbye for this week's uh, Football Unfocused. We'll see you again uh, in the uh, near future. God willing. <laughs>